Hey, my friends, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanne LaFleur, and this is season five, episode two. Excited to get into a whole new season with you. And on today's episode, we have my friend Misha Watson, who's a national kids TV host and producer of kids Bible content. And she's worked in both secular and Christian context. So we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about what the heck TV is doing in the age of streaming. So lean into this episode. You're going to love it. Hey, have you joined us on the Digital Church Facebook group yet? We'd love to have you there. Uh, so just a great community that's growing. Uh, there's five or 600 of us now, and we're connecting and sharing ideas and sharing resources all around digital evangelism and discipleship and tech stuff. And really just, it's a community to talk about the things we talk about here, but with each other in like a two-way or multi-way conversation. So uh, check out the link below or go to Facebook and just search Digital Church and you can join us there. Also, by the way, I've been doing a series of video tutorials on church communications. They're free. So, hey, why not check them out? If you are sick of my voice or you want to see more on how to do church communications well in the context that we're living in, you can find them on YouTube. You can find them wordmadedigital.com. Okay, on today's episode, as I said, we have Misha Watson, but can't get there without, of course, thanking our sponsors, Wycliffe College. If you go to the website, wycliffecollege.ca slash wordmadedigital, they have a gift for you, some free swag that they want to send you in the mail. Who doesn't love getting mail? Who doesn't love some swag? So why don't you go there and connect with the team? If you don't know, Wycliffe is an Uh, evangelical seminary. It's a school of theology at the University of Toronto. They have world-class faculty and they have top scholars in all kinds of disciplines. So whether you're looking to engage in just church life or discipleship for yourself, or maybe even an academic career, if you want to grow with Jesus, you want to grow your brain, Wycliffe can help. It's a school that I went to and I just really recommend it. It was an amazing experience for me if you're looking for seminary or theological education. Thanks, of course, also to Compassion Canada. I mean, this year has been so different, so crazy, and Compassion is right in the middle of stopping uh, COVID-19's effects on poverty. I mean, poverty has increased this year for the first time in a decade, and there's a lot of opportunity for us to help. So it's perfect timing with the Christmas season. You're probably getting all kinds of stuff in your inbox, right? From, or even on Facebook ads and things like that, where you're getting people trying to get you to give to their cause. So there's lots of places to choose, but I would love for you to check out compassion.ca slash gifts. There's amazing opportunities there to give a gift that's really fun and creative and meaningful. And in a year that's been not very good, why not help turn it around for some people? There is a crisis that's pushing millions into deeper poverty with COVID-19. Children are really affected by this all around the world, and we, the church, can do something about it. So go to compassion.ca slash gifts. Uh, this year, we can make a difference at Christmas time. And hey, if you're listening to this not Christmas time, there's lots of other reasons to go to check out the gifts at compassion.ca slash gifts. All right, here is my friend Misha. She was on YTV, which is like the Canadian version of Nickelodeon, and she's doing a a biblical teaching variety show for kids. It does music and comedy sketches and Bible verses and all kinds of really fun stuff. And we're going to be talking to Misha all about TV in the digital world. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to Season 5, sponsored by Compassion Canada, 
and Wycliffe College. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Misha, Misha Watson, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm really glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Joanna. Um, can you introduce yourselves to us? Who are you? Yes, I certainly can. My name is Misha Watson, Misha Lorraine Watson, born and raised in London, England. <laughs> I've lived in Canada for uh, almost 16 years. Um, and throughout that time, I've been able to develop a career in television. I've worked at uh, YTV's The Zone and Zone Weekend for a bunch of years, which was fantastic. Uh, before that, TV, commercials, et cetera, et cetera. But today I'm the creator and host of Hey Misha, which is a biblical teaching variety show for children. It is amazing. If you love Nickelodeon vibes, Fresh Prince vibes, a little bit of Wendy Williams vibes, and you love Jesus, this is the one for your kids. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, it's for kids, but it's not just for kids. I feel like Great TV for kids is also great TV for adults. I'll take it. Um, the biggest thing that I learned from YTV was what CoView is. Uh, YTV's The Zone happens at like 4 to 6 p.m., which means that a lot of kids are coming home from school, but their parents are getting dinner ready. So they're watching it alongside their kids. And so that's kind of like what was my right. mentality with making the show and writing it was that parents would laugh when kids laughed. I don't want it to go over any kids' heads, but I never want to talk down to children. So what that does is make sure that the content and the humor is great for parents and kids as well. Okay. You're referencing back to YTV, which for people outside of Canada, the reference point is like a Nickelodeon kind of a vibe. How did you, how did you get into kids TV in the first place? Like you had a fairly big public acting role, hosting role on kids TV in Canada. How'd that happen for you? Yeah, it's so funny. Um, before uh, YTV happened, I was just an actor trying to make it happen, running out to auditions for anything, you know, whether it was like snack food or milk commercials or uh, acting on stage in like really intense dramas and things like that. Um, it was just a whole different like perspective I had on what it meant to be an actor. When I got the opportunity to go to YTV, uh, the audition process was kind of secretive. I didn't know it was going to be on this big network. I didn't know I would be on this show that like I grew up watching. Like I had no idea. And then, um, I think it was like the day before I went for my audition, they, uh, they told me where to go. And I was like, wait, that's the YTV studios. And so I show up and the guy I've been watching since I was a kid, Carlos Bustamante is standing beside me being chill about it. And I'm into, I'm auditioning with him <laughs> trying to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're on the same page. Like, no, um, he's so fantastic. And he's literally Canada's sweetheart in my books. Um, and so I auditioned with him and I had the time of my life, but what main reason why I was excited to do it was because at YTV, I got to not only be an actor and do comedy, which I love, but I was able to be myself as a host. You just get to be yourself and talk um, in your own accent 
and be English and not necessarily North American standard dialect. Um, and then also I got to like inspire children and that was the first kind of taste at inspiring children. And obviously since then I've grown to love it, but, um, yeah, it was a crazy wild ride and man, I couldn't, I couldn't replace the experience I had there. It was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. I, I mean, what an amazing training ground Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for like the rest of your career, but you also then just made a bold step to leave what would be for a young actor or TV host, like the pinnacle opportunity in terms of like <laughs> prime time kids TV, you left it. Yeah. You quit. Uh-huh. Christian <laughs> What happened? Yeah. Why did you do that? <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, um, towards the end of my time at YTV, I um, was getting really antsy. I needed to start. I started, like, pitching ideas for the show. And um, you're not able to write on the show and be a performer on the show. It's like, um, or maybe I wasn't. I'm not really sure how that worked. But there wasn't the opportunity to write while I was there. And that meant that the things that I found funny and people who find humor funny that like, you know, people who are like me find funny. Um, I wasn't able to write about it. So I wasn't able to perform it. So what that meant was uh, I felt super stifled. And so I started doing producing gigs and stuff like that outside of YTV to kind of kind of fulfill the the yearning I had to really be in charge of what I was saying and what I was uh, how I was entertaining kids. And so I knew I needed a change. Um, and that's kind of how it came to me that I needed, uh, although I didn't have, um, how do I put it? Tons of experience in producing. I needed someone to take a risk on me to make my own show. And that's what happened. And so the, someone, the people taking the risk were the Canadian Christian content producer. Yeah. So essentially it was, uh, an interview. So I was like at that point towards the end of YTV, maybe like two and a half years in, I, uh, started producing certain things and I started doing more interviews with people and more podcast interviews and just kind of started like, uh, kind of trying to raise my star in a sense, um, so that I could foray this, all that I had accomplished at YTV and the, the, I guess, stardom in a sense at YTV to, uh, to a different career or a different part, like a different level in my career. And at that time I went to an interview at a Christian show, which I'd never even heard of before. And I thought, Oh sure. Like I get to have my makeup done. Love it. And so I went to it. And then <laughs> while I was there, I met the CEO of a Christian agency right, that I'm with right now called Crossroads. And they said, Hey, can we, um, would you like to pitch some shows to us? And I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. And uh, they took the risk on me. I think primarily it was because I did come from, as you said, a great training ground of children's TV. um, And I was Mm -hmm. producing things, although it wasn't kids content that I was producing um, as freelancer. I was already producing stuff. I was already writing things. So they were um, willing to take a risk on me by giving me a show. But uh, I had had talent and I had um, gifts that were suitable to it. So I think they were like, this is a calculated risk going with Misha. So um, that's why they gave me the shot. Wow. And so the big question for me, I think, next would just be like, why kids stuff? Why is the – you could do – TV for anybody. You could do media development for any group of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, 
why children's <laughs> programming? Like what gets you, what gets you revved up about that? What do we not understand about how good it is and how important it is to kids TV? Well, I'll say, um, you know, as far as the media industry and entertainment industry, um, there are a few of us who take it really seriously. A lot of people kind of put like kids ministry or children's entertainment to the side, like, oh yeah, we should probably get something for the kids as well. Like, um, we have a huge conference. What are the kids going to do? And it's always kind of like an aside. Um, but working at YTV, kids content was my first and foremost. It was everything I was doing. We were always thinking about what kids are up to right now, what they were doing right now, what they're watching right now, what they're learning right now, what's the education system saying right now. So we were always kind of in that space. So I think it was more of, um, just a smooth trans, uh, transgression, a smooth transition into kids entertainment from YTV into, um, Hey Misha, but I didn't necessarily choose it. It just kind of happened for me. I kind of thought my, and I know my career will go in so many different ways as I move throughout this industry, but, um, it's just that right now it made the most sense because I love what I do. I love kids content. I love that, um, there's more freedom to be absurd and ridiculous in children's content. Um, the comedy can be wholesome. I also personally really enjoy that. I mean, let me tell you something. I love watching like The Handmaid's Tale, all that sort of stuff. Like I, I, I love the dark, and, <laughs> the dark and dreary and gloomy stuff too. But um, there's something wholesome about kids content that really works with my spirit and my soul. And I feel like that um, that was like a kindred spirit vibe of me. For, like I was able to just kind of like mm. latch onto that and be like, oh, I can really talk about my faith and I can really talk about um, what I'm learning in the Bible and who I'm learning that Jesus is. And also I can do it in a really funny way, an absurd way, a ridiculous way, um, and really kind of hone my skills on something that meant a lot to me. So I hope that was clear. I know that's a bit over the pace, but yeah. No, it's good. I mean, because we're friends, we've I've heard some of your own story too about really just reflection on what you felt like you didn't hear as a kid that you want to bring to kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. And what you misunderstood maybe about God. Oh, for sure, man. I tell you, I left church at like 16. I didn't arrive back into church until I was 24. So for the most part, I, that like middle section there where I was like, I guess, formative years outside of the household. Um, I only had a few things to hold on to, And those few things were a trust in God, try to be a good person. And essentially try to be a good person was really daunting to me and also vague and confusing and bewildering. And that's why with nowadays, when I talk to kids, I make it really simple that, um, you should try and be a good person. I mean, that's part of our human nature. We want to be good. We want to do the right thing or whatever. But at the end of the day, um, Jesus came down to save us from ourselves, you know? And I think, you know, I, I personally believe that God is good and Jesus is good. And so therefore what I consider to be good isn't, you know, like God is what good is. God is perfection. You know, I am, um, the only part of me that is anywhere near perfection is the fact that the Holy spirit lives inside of me. I have to come to that conclusion. And in teaching children, um, that when you do a bad thing, it doesn't mean God loves you any less. In fact, he knew you were going to do that thing and he loved you before you even considered doing that thing. Um, so the imperfection part of being a human, I think we don't talk to kids about that at all. We just tell them, be good, don't do bad, you know, and that's it. And kids are left with, oh, I've already done that. You know, I think about the children right now who already suffer from porn addiction before the age of 16 years old. 
And they don't call it that, but that's what it is. Kids are so used to seeing certain things on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. And their parents can't imagine that that's what their kids are seeing, but that's what they're seeing. And so they think when, when they go to a youth conference and someone tells them to be good and do right and these kind of things and make it really just, oh, it's got to be simple. Then kids feel all alone in it, which obviously, you know, snowballs into mental health issues and whatever. But um, I want kids to know that the only perfect part of us is the Holy Spirit. And we were made in the image of God, but we are sinful beings. So I think it's just important that we just keep it real with them. I'm, t- I'm sick and tired of like not keeping it real with children because um, they're not prepared when it happens. You know, they lose their faith because they weren't prepared. And that's like our only job as, as leaders. Hmm. Well, and I, what you're talking about too is not talking down to kids. Yeah. Yeah. Talking up. Like yeah. Being fun playful yeah. and addressing stuff that they actually are going through. Yeah. Do you think it's harder yeah. to be a kid now than it was when we were kids. We weren't kids so long ago. <laughs> is it harder? I mean, mm. we're not grandparents. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think, is it harder? Um, it's interesting. You know, I think every generation has what's harder and what's simpler. I'd say uh, if you have mental issues now, uh, mental mental illness, sorry, not issues, mental illness, um, you suffer from that today. Um, we have more words to describe what it is. So a kid might say, hey, 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 mom, I feel like I might be suffering from bipolar disorder. Like a kid might actually have those words to use. Whereas when I was growing up, it might be like, I'm just confused. I'm just depressed. I'm just sad or whatever. Um, parents didn't really know where they could go. So there's certain things that are easier in that we have more words for it. Like we create more vocabulary nowadays than we did back in the day. I feel like maybe, I don't know. Um, for instance, when I was growing up, the main thing was bullying. Bullying is bad. What is bullying? And we were kind of dying into what bullying meant and child help phone, like kids being able to on their own call a 1-800 number for help was brand new when I was a kid. And that's what we would use. I've even called it myself when I was a kid. Um, now that's like baked into the school system that kids can advocate for themselves about what's wrong. Um, but then at the same time, there's a lot of confusion with kids because there is so many things that it could possibly be going on in your life and you know, not knowing what to say. A global pandemic. A global <laughs> pandemic. Like literally right now I'm thinking to myself, like, um, we've ne- I mean, we never experienced that as kids. We're experiencing it now with them. So there is that confusion and they're figuring it out. We won't fully know what the true repercussions of this pandemic to the psyche of a child are until um, years down the line. We've written as many books as we can about it. I'll probably we will never fig- truly figure out all the repercussions about it. But um, so, yeah, I can't definitively say that it was easier when I was a kid, but I will say that there are definitely more words so that kids can communicate what's really going on in their lives now than there was when I was a kid. So part of what's going on in our lives, in the lives of kids, is this digital transformation from when we were kids until now we grew up as the internet grew up, we grew up Yeah, <laughs> as it matured and became something that took over every part of interaction in life. Yeah. We grew up too. Um, talk to me about TV in the age of streaming. What's going on? What do you, <laughs> what do you think the place is for television? Oh man. I was just talking to this about 
talking about this to my coworker, um, that I don't have cable. And the main reason I don't have cable was because, um, I was like, this is cable's expensive. What's the point? But now I pay upwards of 60 bucks on all of my streaming apps, <laughs> podcast apps and everything. Yeah, it adds up. So it's not really the cost anymore as to why, but it's pro- primarily because of I, I'm able to just choose whatever I want to watch whenever I w- want to watch it. So, um, but as far as kids go, that's kind of what they're used to. Um, I would say like the age group that my ministry works with is like uh, probably like se- six or seven to like 10 or 11, maybe around there. Um, and they are the generation or that age group that didn't ever experience the, oh no, I've missed my favorite show or mom. Can I, um, can we rush home to watch Fresh Prince at 4 PM? And then after that will be, you know, family guy. And then after that will be Simpsons. And then I got to go to bed like that, like lineup. They they have no (laughs) idea what that is. And I remember when I was a kid, like the main reason I wanted to be a host was because of Davina McCall on big brother. When I was a kid, she was like the big head honcho of television back in the day, but it was live TV. The Saturday night lineup was 6 PM on a Saturday, I'd go, we'd go to the grocery store and get all the snacks we wanted, our favorite yogurts, we'd sit in front of the TV and watch from 6 to 9 p.m. all of the Saturday night shows with our whole family. And it was a thing we did where we met everyone in front of a television, family, sorry, in front of a television to watch this wonderful show, these wonderful shows. But kids don't have that. They expect what they want when they want. And so um, when I started out Hey Misha, we, um, through a a wonder of blessings all at the same time, managed to get a budget to make a cable show, which was 28 minutes, 28.50. And it aired on Yes TV every Saturday and Friday morning. What I realized soon after making that show was that all of the kids shows that I know are doing very, very well were short form. They were like eight to 10 minutes. So we had this huge show that was really, you know, really long and, uh, kids are used to watching things for eight minutes and whenever they wanted to watch them. Now, by the grace of God, my show is a variety show, which means that we have segments and no segment is longer than four minutes. So what we did as soon as the show was done was break it up into segments so we have certain characters who do, uh, like for instance, we have Auntie D, and we have Leonard, and we have the Good News Kids and the music videos and everything's in pieces. So now this big show that was originally three hours long is three hours of content split into one to four minute segments. So we have tons of content right. now that we can now market on different platforms in different ways. It could be, it could live on TikTok. It can live on um Instagram, Facebook, IGTV, wherever we want it to in small chunks. Um, we sold it to a streaming platform in the U S that's fully short form content. So we're able to say, Hey, sure. Like we'll break it up in this way and you can show this, however you like it. Um, another thing we did was, uh, we've just created small packets. I've been calling them packets, but really it's just like small series where the Sunday school series is all three to four minute um, videos that are followed by workbooks. So the kids can watch four minutes mm-hmm. and then answer questions and do artwork based on what they've learned in that four minutes. Same for Christmas. All the videos are one to four minutes. So these kids can have a condensed version of the story that's dynamic and fun and funny, but they get the information and then they get the application by doing the worksheet and then they go on about their lives. Like I just wanted to make sure whatever it was that we were making, um, the kids could have a takeaway from it. And I've learned by doing that in small bites has been the most beneficial. 
So what are you, what are you creating right now? What are you excited about? Yeah. What are you doing as you look to the future? Well, uh, so right now there is the Sunday School series, as I mentioned earlier, which is um, wonderful. We had so many Sunday School teachers reaching out to me on Instagram, on my personal account. I got phone calls to my cell phone, which, you know, I much prefer a text. But um, from Sunday School teachers saying, hey, we need more stuff. We are burnt out. We are tired. We don't have any more energy or creativity to make things happen um, as quickly as we need it. So do you have anything for us? And I was like, use the show. Like we have all these different things. But then I realized I need to just call it the Sunday School Series. So that's what we have. Sunday School Series, a five-week program for children and Sunday School teachers and parents alike that they can watch uh, stories like the fiery furnace story or, um, my story of coming to Canada and learning the shepherd Psalm to get me through my transition, uh, moving from Europe to North America. Um, little stories like that followed by the workbooks and that's Sunday school series. And then what I'm also really excited about, which is so exciting is that I've partnered with 100 Huntley street, which is like legacy TV. Um, and Hamish is doing a collaboration with them for Christmas, which is hilarious and fun. It's all about Advent and we're currently editing it right now. So maybe by the time you listen to this, it'll be ready. And it's all kind of like Christmas themed and we shot it outside. I did my very first remote shoot where I was the host producer and like PA person, all this kind of stuff outdoors <laughs> you were all the thing oh in the middle of like it was crazy but um we pulled it off and it's really high quality content and that will be available everywhere you find short form content actually that's not true maybe free short form content it's everywhere to find uh that's exciting yeah i, see. I, I think i saw you posting on social about recording this stuff and you were trying to do Christmas, but it was like very warm and sunny <laughs> yeah. out where, you know, at Christmas time here, it might be cold and snowy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> essentially we just had to kind of pivot, you know, that's the word of 2020, but basically, um, I needed to film it ahead of time because I had so many other things on my plate that I wanted to make sure we gave it. It's just due as far as editing real time, let it breathe, all that kind of stuff, which meant that we had to film Christmas content with gorgeous yellow fall trees and green, green, green grass and Canadians (laughs) walking around in shorts and sweatshirts. Um, that was going to air during Christmas. So we've done, we've done it. It looks gorgeous. It's fine. You know, we did our movie magic and made it work, but it was definitely hilarious to be like, Oh no, it's still gorgeous out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh now we're in that uh end of fall early no no end of november gloom okay so a lot of stuff that comes out of christian media has a reputation of being bad crappy but i think the big word that comes to my mind is cheesy yeah <laughs> Where are you going with this, how Joe? Come feel, on, here we go. Well, how do you feel about being associated with that? You know, Christian mm-hmm. TV being cheesy, but you left mainline stuff yeah. to build Christian content. Yeah. Um, how how do we not do cheesy content as Christians? I mean, yeah. people listening, a lot of people listening are part of churches and organizations that are producing media content. Yeah. Or at least they're looking to buy it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> to for sure. Bring to their people. Mm-hmm. How do we not do lame 
stuff. And why do you think Christian content is so lame? Well, personally, I think it's lame because, or a lot of it is lame is because um, we don't want to take a true stance like with our actual opinion and be really authentic about what we really think. We want to be a bit more passive and let people just talk about, so how do you feel? Consider this. And instead of saying, this is what I think about what's going on in this, this is what I stand for. Like that's probably the main reason why a lot of Christian content that I see past my Instagram, I'm just like exhausted by like, let's talk about something real. Let's actually talk about issues. Let's actually, you know, voice our opinions. Um, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, I can't stand a lot of it. But uh, the way I've been able to really be proud of my content and not feel like it was corny or cheesy is I have a really tight grip on the content itself and the creative um, and the creativity behind it and how we promote it. I have never been more um, focused on how I'm perceived by the greater community um, of entertainers. When Hamisha started, I said, I'm going to put my name on it because it is going to make people know that at the end of the day, it live and dies. It lives and dies by that producer, that writer, Misha. And I was willing to take that because I said, you know what? I want it. I want to love it. And no one will ever be able to make this show without me. <laughs> so I said, put my name right on there. My, one of my best friends, um, Mark Suki was like, if you ever make a TV show, put your name on it because It'll, st- it'll live and die with you. And I was like, so that they have to keep you. They have to keep me. They have to at least ask my opinion on something because I'll, I'll be the one promoting it. So, um, so I said, you know what? Like every joke that's on Hey Misha, every, you know, color we use, every song that we use, every, um, any, you know, promotional piece that's used by Hey Misha runs by me. And I had this like sad moment once where, um, I won't go into too many specifics because I have learned to let go and to, to, to forgive, (laughs) but I burst into tears because someone else created a poster for Hey Misha that was like, just just trash i was so mad about it like so mad about it this the thing that they were making like a billboard in like a main <laughs> Joanna, oh my gosh call me so but yeah basically it was this really huge <laughs> uh thing and uh everyone was and it was already out before I, it passed by me and i think the reason that happened was because they thought i was too busy like making the show like writing the show and producing the show for it to come by me but I will like not sleep if I need to approve something. Um, I think that's what it has to be. You know what? Like uh, if you are the pastor of a church, if you are the editor in chief of a magazine and something goes wrong, you're going to be the one to answer to it. And so it was very important to me that when people ask me the question you just did, that is, you know, how do you make sure your show isn't corny or cheesy or irrelevant? Um, I would say because I don't want to see corny, cheesy, irrelevant content. I want it to be full of truth, but I also want it to be high quality. Like coming from YTV was probably the greatest thing for Hey Misha, because I saw what was winning kids screen awards. I saw what was winning kids choice awards. I saw, um, what was winning CSAs, you know, I needed to be, those, those are, for those of you who don't know, CSAs are, those are our Emmys in Canada. I saw what was, you know, winning at content and I don't judge, I don't, um, base the success of Hey Misha on other Christian shows. I base them on 
entertainment as a whole, like kids entertainment worldwide, like what is the world doing um, as far as content? And maybe that is what's exhausting me and probably aging me a little bit, but I think it's most important that we always, that I do my best, that I'm proud of it all. And I'll stop when I can no longer do that or I no longer have the passion to do that. Um, one of the late night hosts left a couple years ago. I forget which one it was because I don't really watch late night too much. But when he left, he said, I just lost the passion to do rehearsals and I lost the passion to write it. And I lost the passion to come up with fresh new things. And I knew that someone else needed to take this seat. And um, for me, that's when I'll know I've got to go. I don't know if Hamisha will last forever. Um, I, I believe that there's so much more for me in this uh, in the world for me to accomplish. And I have so many dreams, so many things I want to accomplish. And I'm, by the grace of God, I've been able to accomplish a lot so far, but I have, I am not slowing down at all. So I know when the time comes to pass the torch, I will, and I'll be ready to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think the lesson that you're reminding us of or teaching us is when Christian media content, creative content, communication approaches, is just constantly being compared to other Christian content, you might feel really good about what you're doing. But then if you would get out of your little bubble and look at what's winning the awards in the world, you know, what is bringing millions of viewers to a show or a piece of content yeah. and what's working, it's not the same no. kind of cheesiness as in the curse. So like, I think stuff can get cheesy or lame because it becomes this safe little bubble safe and you're competing against just the thing down the, the church down the street yeah. or the Christian media down the road, as opposed to like what's pulling in millions or even a billion people yeah. to watch it in the world. Yeah. And how do we, how do we learn and grow from what they're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm really excited to see kind of um, what, Hey Misha can do years after I've even finished it, like what it will look like on the grand scheme of things. Um, as far as like this moment in time in kids TV, what people were doing in kids TV, but I, um, me yeah, measure my show up to huge kids shows that happen. Every time I talk about, Hey Misha, I'll always say all that Nickelodeon. I never, I'm, I'm never saying the things that, you know, are quintessentially Christian or even quintessentially Canadian because, um, you know, the message of God and the message of God for children is a global one. And we should be working it like that. If people want to do this, like they want this kind of job, what would you say to people listening who want to get into this industry that you're in? Ooh, okay. Well, first of all, just start writing it. Um, my whole life, my mom has been telling me, hey, you should write your own show. And I was like, you're hilarious, mom. Like, that's cute. Um, but I was, I was writing content my whole life. And I feel like get mm -hmm. an actual Personally, I love a pen and paper. So get yourself a brand new notebook from Indigo. This is not an ad. Buy one, write it in <laughs> it and write stories about, you know, whatever it is you want to make, just write about that. Um, and then if possible, make it, you know, like if you can get a camera and it, it kind of comes out a little bit crappy to start with, that's fine. Like just start doing it. Cause I know one thing happened when, um, I got the budget that I got, I was like, Oh goodness. Like I'm so excited to make this show, but how, why do they think I'm worth it? Well, it's because they didn't really see the stuff I put on YouTube. Um, the greatest story of me like hustling is not the greatest, but one of my favorites is I just totally faked um, my way into fashion week in Toronto 
like a couple years ago, or this is like probably a bunch of years ago now, but I just really wanted to have something on my reel that looked like I was like a proper host. So I got gorgeous. I got a friend of mine <laughs> who makes really great jewelry. And it's like, a, she had a $3,000 necklace that she was showing at Fashion Week. I was like, can I wear that? And she's like, yeah, get it back to me on time. I wore the necklace. I got the outfit. I was so broke at the time. So I like, you know, used like one piece of makeup for my entire face, like, you know, blush, little eyeliner, <laughs> lips or whatever. And I went to Fashion Week and I walked in and I said, hi, I'm a blogger. Like, where do I go? And I ended up making my way into Fashion Week for a great show and uh, interviewing people. And that made it onto, I put it onto my YouTube. And then I got interviews and, you know, podcasts and that sort of thing from being like this host before I'd ever made a dime. I think that's just hustle, like make it happen for yourself because it can be really fun to kind of do the risky thing. Maybe I don't recommend like, you know, breaking rules and stuff, but sometimes though, but sometimes though, you gotta do little, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of worked for me. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And true, what you're saying is you're reminding us like you, you were stopping yourself. There's nobody else preventing you. Actually, there was really no one preventing you from going into fashion week. That's right. You needed to get out there and be fashionable for success. That was it. Look flawless, go in there with confidence. I think uh, one journalist told me when I was like 19 years old, he was like, just what I do is I keep walking until someone tells me to stop. And I was like, you will break the law that way. However, I, I like your moxie. Like, I like the idea of like, I won't be stopped. Um, you need that. You need it. Cause the amount of times I've been told that I couldn't do something. Oh my goodness me. Oh, if I had stopped, if I had stopped, I would have never accomplished half of the things I have already. And I, and I still have that same moxie for the rest of my career. So yeah. Yeah, girl. It's great. <laughs> um, who do you, who do you look to mentors? Maybe, maybe those are people we know the names of or people we don't, hmm. who is inspiring you? Or who is um, bringing you wisdom as you grow in this career? Who? That's a really hard... I wish I, wish I had someone like off the top of my head I can think of. Um, um, a big one for me, I guess, in this very moment is Cheryl Nemhard, who we both do know. Um, but mm-hmm. moving from the entertainment industry, like the secular entertainment industry into the Christian one, I literally was like, I think I'm not polite enough to do this. And Cheryl was like, that's cool. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like I can just be real, real authentic and really say what I think. And Cheryl Nemhard was like, heck yeah. And then on top of that, Maggie John, who's the host of Context, um, she, same thing, was like, every time I would say something on Instagram or Facebook that was countercultural to the Christian community that is fairly like, you know, passive about these issues like justice and black lives matter and stuff like that. Um, she would send me the claps, the emoji claps, and she would reach out to me. And we had like, we've had like talks and things about that things. We've had talks about, um, how to be an advocate for yourself and an activist for yourself. So I think the m- most people that are inspiring me are people who are reminding me to speak up about things rather than how to be a producer or writer. In this time, it's more about how to eloquently speak up for myself so that people hear me, um, but staying as honest and as authentic as possible along the way. Yeah. And I love the, the women that you've named are amazing 
women a little bit older than us Mm -hmm. and uh, both black Canadian women. Yeah. And so why does that kind of represent, maybe it's obvious to some, but not to others. Why does representation matter? Like you are naming women who are not white men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) For sure. Inspiring you and cheering you on. I'm sure some white guys have helped you too, but, (laughs) but, uh, why does that representation matter in the industry? Yeah. I mean, it matters for me because, um, you know, I never thought, I, I guess it made my dreams feel like I could, I feel like I could reach my dreams when I saw it already happening. And for instance, when I was at YTV, someone I looked to was Arissa Cox, and she's the host of Big Brother Canada. And we were pretty close to this day. And that's really special to me that she's like a black Canadian, like, juggernaut like she's so cool and so confident and so real and so kind so compassionate and that meant something to me that I could be um honest and authentic but then still considered to be kind and compassionate at the same time so for me seeing that I was like I'm gonna be like that but me you know and the same with Cheryl Nemhard and Maggie John the reason I really look to them is because they're doing it and they're talking about what it means to be a person of color and be a black woman in entertainment who's walked into rooms where nobody looks like us and everyone's ready to make us laugh. Sorry, everyone's ready for us to make them laugh and to dazzle and to charm, but no one's willing to hear when we have real things to say. Um, they've done that already. And so when I go into those rooms, I literally have zero filter. Like I just came out of a meeting recently where... I had to be honest and say, oh no, you guys are living in the past. We need to move forward from that. And I felt confident doing that because they broke down the walls before I got there. So in a sense, my generation, like our generation, we don't really have that. I mean, I don't know. I don't have it. And I don't think you do either where we feel like we have to be PC about what we want to say. Um, Because people before us said it in, uh, you know, the best way they knew how without losing their jobs. Whereas now I don't feel like I'm going to lose my job because I got something to say. Um, or maybe I will, but you know, it's like, okay, on to the next. Do you know what I mean? Like it's more important that we're more authentic and honest, but I think the only reason I was able to do it was because people did that before me. And I was able to see that if there wasn't representation, it might be happening in, you know, boardrooms and, you know, church offices or whatever, but I never saw it. I would have never seen it. So for me, it's most important that, you know, people who look like me, black women who are in entertainment are at the forefront, you know, I want people to look at their boards, uh, you know, board of directors or whatever, and look at them and say, what does it look like? People always say, oh, we want to reach out to the younger generation. I'm like, are there any younger generation? Are there any younger people on your board? Are there any younger people making decisions? You know, at the company I work at now, I'm on a diversity team. So I have opportunities to actually speak directly to the CEO without any, um, filter like it's just me and the ceo in a conversation talking about how we can make sure that you know people don't suffer what i have suffered at the hands of you know white evangelical christian um uh you know prehistoric rules and regulations and what's and expectations like mm-hmm. the things that i've had to go through won't happen again or i hope they won't happen again but because i'm sitting in that seat And so I'm honest and open about the fact that I'm on this diversity team and that I am doing these things because I want people who are younger to see, hey, I'm doing this now so that later this shouldn't be a problem for you. Or if it is, you can stand up and say, hey, we're going backwards. You know, it's just so important that people see it. So important. Mm 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a different direction on this kind of topic of representation, um, I, I have a friend whose father was in media journalism and is in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And at one point, somebody said to him, oh, the only reason you're getting you're getting this job is because you're the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah. This is a white guy in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And at the time, he kind of just said, like, so what? <laughs> so what if that's the reason I got in the door? Like, Because right. once I get there, I'm going to be, like, the best journalist, mm-hmm. the most professional, you know, whatever. And then it's not going to be anything about the wheelchair anymore. It's yeah. going to be because I'm an excellent journalist. So yeah. if that was the thing that got me in the door or the checkbox they were going for, some token – he, his approach was, that's fine. Mm-hmm, I'm going to mm-hmm. prove myself yeah. anyways. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Does that, I know some people wouldn't agree with that position. Right, 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 right. That makes like, they don't want to just be the token. I don't know. Right, how, yeah, how I hear you. you. Feel about that? Like when you're talking about a diversity committee, do you feel like it's just checking a box or do you feel like there is an opportunity and a voice? Well, that's the funny thing is that the thing with tokenism or being the token, being the first, is that someone does need to be the first and someone does need to be the, the um, answer to, hey, you don't have a diverse, a diverse community here. Cool. Let's hire people so that we are diverse. That's like the first, obviously the first solution. So by no means am I against being the first or being the token or whatever. I know my skills means that I will be able to pull it off in a phenomenal manner. (laughs) Um, But, you know, someone does need to be the first and someone does need to be the one that breaks down that barrier for whatever reason it is. So in a sense, I do have that kind of similar attitude where I'm like, okay, sure. However, um, do I have deciding power actually? Like is the tokenism for show? Because if that's the case, burn it down. Like, just burn it all down. Yeah. I much prefer to, you know, do something all by myself than be a part of a group that has me there just because of what it looks like. And I think that's why a lot, if you're looking around at a lot of, like, television news stations and TV shows right now, a lot of the people who are Black hosts have just received executive producer status this year. So they may be the front-running oh. host on the show or whatever for years and years and years, but they just got official deciding power this year. And for all of us in the industry, we know that executive producer really does mean something, um, having that beside your name or above your name. So that's what it means to me. I don't mind being the token, but as long as I have deciding power, I can make it worth something. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Can you just leave us just, if you have a, just an encouragement to people listening who are creating content or dreaming of content they want to create Mm. just what would you say to cheer them on today first of all i love you all creatives have to stick together we call me text me message me like i feel like we need to like continue to create a kind community um that is just welcoming so i'd love for you to you know reach out to me and reach out to people that you really admire um so that's my first like note to you all that if you are a pastor or if you are a writer or an actor or whatever it is reach out to the people that you admire because you think we're all busy and I think a lot of them are busy but I've just reached out to them I'll just send an email like I'm just gonna do it I love this tv show I'm gonna do it send the email and say can I take you to coffee probably not during COVID obviously but hey everyone's uh you know ready for a zoom call every now and again so I'd say reach out to someone for sure um and I guess the biggest encouragement is to you know 
make the thing that you love. Um, there's that statement that says, um, if you find the thing that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. I don't fully agree with that because doing the thing you love um, doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. But I will say, if you're going to work, and we are all going to work, um, it should be something that you're proud of and that you have a passion for. And when you no longer have a passion for it, find something else you could do to reignite your passion. You know, I think my generation is all about um, prior plethora of jobs throughout our career we kind of jump all over the place and that's because we're all about passion and doing things that we love so that we really enjoy it and we can give 110 while we're doing it so that's what i would encourage you to do find the thing you love the most and do it and love it and side hustles are awesome and yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> okay if people want to find your show or they want to follow you yeah where do you want to send them today well my instagram is at i am misha M-E-I-S-H-A, M-E-I-S-H-A. And uh, for the show, heymisha.com. That's it. Awesome. Misha, thanks so much. I'm so glad to know you, be your friend, and just continue to be blown away by the stuff you're creating. It's so fun, vibrant, fresh. Can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks, Joe. This was fabulous. I'll see you so soon. Thanks so much, Misha. It's great to know you and great to see what you are doing and all this creative work that you do with such excellence. Next up on the podcast is Justin Koo. He's a YouTuber previously known as That Christian Vlogger, so maybe you've heard of him. But now he's doing video interviews with people like atheists or people from the LGBTQ community, and he's trying to open up dialogue with Christians and people they maybe don't often listen to or hear from. So it's an amazing conversation. You're going to love that conversation next week about how he's using YouTube to do that. Thanks so much to Wycliffe College and to Compassion Canada who are helping make this podcast possible. Compassion.ca slash gifts is where we want you to check out all the amazing ways you can make a difference this year in this crazy COVID-19 year with your Christmas gifts. And wickliffecollege.ca slash digital. All these links are, of course, down below in the show notes. But we'd love you to go there and check it out because they got some gifts for you. They got some swag. So if you're looking for seminary training, you're looking to grow in your discipleship, why not check it out? I hope to see you in the Digital Church Facebook group. Follow the link below. Come join us. Search us on Facebook. You're going to find our community. It's a growing, fun, vibrant place. We'd love to see you there. Or maybe you want to see us on the Word Made Digital tutorials on YouTube. All the links are below. We're bringing you content every single week right now uh, that hope we hope helps you. We hope that it grows you as a leader. It inspires you. It challenges you. And we hope that it's shareable as well. So thanks for ratings sharing, subscribing, and we will see you next week with Justin Koo. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Rate it and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world.